evening service. So, Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the blessings that you give to us each and every day. And, Father, we thank you that you dwell in us. You speak to us, Father. You remind us of your good things. And so, Father, we depend upon your spirit for, for instruction, Father, for wisdom. You said that you, you lead us and guide us in all truth and show us things to come. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was thinking about that verse there that, that, uh, that Jesus said that the, that the Spirit uh, will lead you into all truth. And, um, of course, we love to be led by the Spirit in all that we do. And, and we're talking about the will of God on Sunday mornings. And part of the, in the New Testament, uh, living in the perfect will of God is really living in the direction of the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's, it's, uh, uh, it's not by um, happenstance. It's not by things that we observe. It's not by putting out a fleece that we determine the will of God. It's really what has he filled us in our hearts with? What has, what has he spoken to our spirits about? So that's really being led by the Spirit. And, um, you know, if, if you look at your, the average Christian in the church, I, I wonder if there's a very high percentage. You know, I, I wonder if it's even double-digit percentages of people in the church that actually pursue the Spirit of God to be led by the Spirit of God in the will of God. Uh, but Jesus said the very first thing that the Spirit of God will lead you into is into truth. Uh, and, you know, the truth of God is, is, of course, found in the Word of God. You know, that's the primary source of truth, right? And uh, this, the secondary source of truth is the Spirit of God. And those two work together. They're never in conflict. Uh, and, um, uh, but you have to have a very strong desire to live in truth in order for the Lord to do that. Uh, and, you know, sometimes uh, we as, as human beings, uh, you know, we, we don't always want the truth. You know, we, we, we love the truth until it shows up, right? And then we're like, we don't really want the truth. And, uh, and so uh, you have to get to a point where you're really, really determined above all else to live in the absolute truth. And if, you, and if you'll do that, see, then you'll hook up with the Spirit of God. Uh, if you and the truth have kind of a strained relationship you know and sometimes that's the way it is right well i don't want to hear the truth you know and, and then uh, then it's really hard for the spirit of god to lead you in the truth if that's his primary job that's his first job is to lead you in the truth and show you things to come but the first thing is he's going to lead you in the truth uh, and so unless you have a, a very very strong desire to live in the truth and i don't mean just mean the truth of doctrine because that one's, that one's fairly easy to live in, although that's uh, sometimes for some people it's difficult. But the truth of, of who you are, the truth of your motivations, the truth of your thought life, the truth of what you believe compared to what the Word of God says, all of those things are truth, right? And the, and the Spirit of God will lead you in the truth. Uh, in fact, uh, Philippians 4, we're going to get to it eventually, he says what things are, so ever are true uh, is the very first things to think on. Uh, and so... And there's a lot to say about that. We'll get to that later on. But, but I just want to encourage you about the Spirit of God leading you, that if He's going to lead you, uh, if, you know, you, well, I want Him to lead me into what car to buy and what money to invest and, you know, uh, this or that. Well, that's all well and good, and He will do those things, but um, He will only do them after you're willing to be led into the truth, right? Uh, and so um, we thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles for the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We'll get started there today. And so we're continuing in our study in the book of Philippians. And so uh, Paul is now, uh, 
uh, he's gone through some prayers where, where he prayed for the Philippians and they prayed for him. And now he's kind of shifting gears a little bit here. Uh, and he says uh, to the Philippians, he talked about how people were trying to uh, be unkind towards him and add affliction to his bonds. And uh, he said, I'm happy any, either way. Uh, and, and then he gets down here to, uh, to verse 23. It says, for I am in a strait betwixt two. Uh, having a desire to part, to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better. And we talked a little bit about that, about how that's far, far better. It's it's the best of all, in uh, different ways that uh, different translations had had said that. And uh, and the thing the thing about it, is, you know, you go all the way back to Enoch, right? So Enoch, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and he was not. Uh, and it, and of course, we, that's all the de- details we have. We don't have any other details. So he. Uh, he and Elijah were the only two people in the Bible that we know of, that we have record of, that never uh, died a physical death, right? That, that uh, you know, because everyone else says that he died and was buried with his fathers, right? And, um, or that he died of a sickness or he, he was killed or, you know, the, uh, all the different ways that people died. And so Enoch, um, uh, Enoch uh, never died. He just was translated, right, from the natural world into the spirit realm. And the, the thing that it Im- seems to imply is that it says that he walked with God and that he was not. And so it seems to imply that his relationship with the Lord was so, was so strong that, that, uh, uh, that he was walking in the Spirit so much, he just kind of didn't come back, you know. And, and so we don't want to make, you know, a superstition of it or myth about it. Uh, but that's what it seems to imply, that he got so close to the Lord uh, that uh, he didn't, didn't want to come back, didn't know how to come back. And... And so he just stayed over there. Uh, and so uh, in that, uh, you know, as you grow with the Lord and as you get closer to the Lord, you know, the, uh, a lot of Christians, uh, their relationship with the Lord is kind of, well, you know, uh, he's my Sunday, he's my Sunday pal, right? Um, Monday through Saturday, you know, it's just whatever I want to do. But a Sunday, you know, it's all God, you know, all God on Sundays, right? Uh, and of course, that's a terrible way to live, but there are a lot of Christians live that way. Uh, but uh, what happens and what can happen is over time as we develop a relationship with the Lord that we so long to be with him that uh, the, the, the weight of that desire to be with him is so much larger than the weight of, of, of whatever doing here because, you know, there's a, there is a draw to stay here because we have loved ones, we have things that we're doing that we enjoy, uh, we have uh, family members, grandparents, or grandparents grandchildren, now, uh, children, you know, whatever it is, there's a lot of things that will keep us here. In fact, a lot of times when people are near death and uh, they really should go on and, and pass on to be with the Lord, yet because of their responsibilities and their loved ones, uh, they're kind of held back, you know, and, and uh, they don't have enough faith to overcome their sickness and to recover, but they don't have an, enough desire to go to be with the Lord compared to what they're doing here. And so a lot of times they're kind of stuck, right? They, that they can't get better, but they're not gonna they're not gonna pass on to be with the Lord, and and of course we're not disparaging anybody. That's just a common thing that happens with people, right? And sometimes because a loved one's desire is for them to stay so much that they won't leave because they don't want to hurt that loved one as well. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions that, that get involved in that. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. In the world, they say, well, you can't, you know, that's all gobbledygook, you, you know. You can't choose and decide what to do and what not to do, which is not scriptural at all, right? Uh, but 
but Paul had got to a place uh, in his heart that uh, he wanted, you know, he really wanted to go right for it. He's in a strait betwixt two. So there's two choices. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. So, of course, there's a lot of people who say, well, there's nothing after this life. Well, Paul said there is. And some people think that, well, there's, there's just the big ether. No, you're with Christ. You're not in this energy field. You're not gone back to the, to the mother universe. Uh, you're with the Lord Jesus, right? And, of course, prior to uh, the Lord Jesus going to the cross, they went to, uh, with Abraham's bosom, right? Uh, but now we get to be with Christ. Uh, and he said it, it's far better. So it's far better than what? Than staying here. Uh, and that, that will happen, right? And sometimes it gets to a point where, uh, you know, you're not sick or diseased. You just want to go home to be with the Lord and you'll just check out, right? And sometimes it could be before a long life occurs, right? It, it's, it's, uh, uh, there are times when people just don't want the drudgery of this world, you know, and, and they, there's nothing in here keeping them in this world. Uh, and, uh, and of course, I like what Paul, he went on to say in verse 24, he said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So now for Paul, there was a draw to stay in this life, right? There was a draw, there was a desire to stay in this life. And the desire was to help the Philippians, right? He said, it's more needful uh, to, to, for, for you, for me to stay. Uh, and he says to abide in the flesh, he just means in the natural world, in his natural body, right? Uh, he's still a spirit either way. And he doesn't, he doesn't mean anything negative about that. He just means in this natural life, in this physical body, he said it's more needful for you. So that's, that's the conflict that he's got. My desire, I want to be with the Lord. But uh, I'm called to be a help to people. And one of the groups of people that I'm a help to is the Philippians. And so he loved the Philippians. Notice he doesn't say that it's more needful for you and the Corinthians and the Ephesians and the Galatians and all the other places. He just specifically said, to the Philippians, and, and I think part of it was that the love that they had for each other, that there was such a, that, you know, the Philippians really loved Paul, and, and he must have really added a lot to their lives, and, and uh, was a great value to their lives, and because of that, he's got this conflict, uh, you know, he, uh, by this time, you know, Paul's been in ministry for many years, right, he's traveled all over Asia, and um, uh, he's seen a lot of things, done a lot of things, and um, uh, he's kind of feeling like he's getting close to the end of his natural life. And, and so at this point, w what does he do? Does he stay or does he go? Uh, and so that, that's the conflict. And, and um, um, another translation of verses 23 and 24 says, I am torn in two directions. On the one hand, I long to leave this world and to live with Christ. And that is obviously the best thing for me. Yet on the other hand, it is probably more necessary for you that I should stay here on the earth. Uh, and so let's go back to uh, the book of John, chapter 16 there. Just to con contrast this with what Jesus said at one point in time. So Jesus said a similar thing, although it's, it's uh, different in, in a major way. And Jesus said that here in John, chapter 16, verse 7, he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or to your advantage for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So in this case, Jesus is with the disciples every day, right? Getting up, traveling with him, eating with him, fellowshiping with him, ministering with him. And 
And he looks at him and says, you know, it's better if I leave. It's to your advantage if I leave. And of course, I'm sure the heads are spinning because my head would spin. It's like, I'm sitting here with Jesus, the, the son of God right now in front of me. And you're telling me it's better that you go and, I, and, and not stay here with me. How in the world is that better? Well, of course, we know that the reason it was better because he was going to send the Holy Spirit and not just send the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit would come and live on the inside of us, right? Uh, you know, but before this, uh, Jesus had said, um, well, just over in, um, uh, let's see. Uh, and yeah, in chapter 14, verse 17, it says, Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you, shall, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you. So currently, right now, at this point in time, right, when Jesus was on the earth, he said that the Holy Spirit dwells with them. Well, how does the Holy Spirit, how was the Holy Spirit dwelling with them during the ministry of the Lord Jesus? Well, that was uh, through the work of the Lord Jesus, right? Because the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, remember, in the, uh, in the River Jordan, said the Spirit of God descended like a dove upon Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and so that's how the Spirit of God was dwelling with them through, through the ministry of the Lord Jesus uh, at that present time. But he said, and he shall be in you. So that's a future tense, right? Well, has that future tense come to pass? Does the Spirit of God now live on the inside of us? He does, right? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says that, uh, that He is in us, right? So, so now the Holy Spirit is in us. And so that's why it was to our advantage and it was to the advantage of the disciples that Jesus left. Because when He left, not only would Jesus send the Holy Spirit, but then a lot of things happened, right? After He left, He sends the Holy Spirit the people get born again, right? That occurred in, in John chapter 21. Uh, then the Spirit of God comes uh, and recreates their spirit, seals the Holy seals their spirit to by, by himself, and then dwells in their spirit. So that, that's really a three-way upgrade just in the realm of the spirit, right? So they get born again, sealed, and filled. Uh, and of course, then later on, uh, they get filled all the way, right? With, uh, with the Pentecostal experience. Uh, and so... It's such a, a far cry from where they were as just men, right? They were just plain old men. They, they had no inherent supernatural ability. Uh, they weren't carriers of the Spirit of God at all. Uh, and uh, in fact, they weren't born again, and, and they were fearful and trembling. And, uh, and, you, and you look at Peter, I mean, even after Peter got born again in John chapter uh, 20, he left the Lord. He said, I'm going to go fishing. And the, the implication was, I'm going to go fishing and, and this is my new life. I'm going to go back to fishing. You know, I was, it was great, great uh, while we did this, boys. But, you know, Jesus is gone. And that was before Pentecost. I'm going to go back fishing. That's when Jesus came back to him and said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Uh, and, and so even after born again, he still was not all that powerful. But then he got filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And he became the man, right? He became Peter, the great apostle Peter, only after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And so for Peter, he had a greater transformation after he was filled with the Spirit than after he was born again. That's not always the case. Sometimes people are, have major transformations after being born again. Sometimes uh, people are kind of the same before, during, and after born again and uh, filled with the Spirit. You know, if you grew up in church and you grew up loving the Lord and knowing the Lord, you know, a lot of times there's not a huge change in one's life. Uh, but, you know, in this case, there was a major change 
in, uh, in Peter's life. So Paul said, it's better if I stay. So he wasn't saying if it's better if I stay so that I can give you the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit, right? He didn't say it's better for you to stay that, uh, that I get you born again. They're already born again. Uh, but it was better for them because uh, Paul's job on the earth was to, was to dispel uh, and disperse the revelation of the New Testament, right? That he, he wrote the majority of the New Testament, and that was his job. And so he was going out and telling people, here's what Jesus means to you. Here's what the new birth means to you. Uh, and, uh, and, they, and they were glad for that. And, and you know, uh, I, look at, I look at the church today, and, you know, a lot of times the church is not that hungry. The Philippians were that hungry to keep Paul on the earth. And, and there's so much information today available that many times people don't see the need for ministers. You know, and they, we're, we're all ministers, right? We're, we all know God, which is true, right? We all know God. We all have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Um, but that, and I understand there, there, there can be and there has been excesses in this area where we worship ministers, right? Anybody ever seen ministers be worshipped, you know, that, oh, everything they say is God, you know, everything they say is not God, but, um, but there's still that, that draw, that longing to be with a particular minister or, and, and to have them impart into your life, uh, a lot of times is, is uh, pretty rare, right? Uh, and I have seen both extremes. I have seen, I, I know when I was with my pastor, you know, I love my pastor. I love being with him. I love listening to him teach and, and let him uh, give me revelation that changed my life, you know, and, and still to this day, uh, so much of who I am and what I know in the Lord uh, is really a, from a foundation of what he laid, even though I was born again long before I met him and knew many things. I didn't know everything, obviously, but I knew many things. But a lot of the really important things about the move of the Spirit and, and, and how to uh, yield to the Spirit of God and how to really find faith in the Word, you know, I found those through my pastor. Uh, but when I was there, there were plenty of people who worshiped my pastor. Oh, he never says anything without a reason. Uh, and the statement was said in such a way that don't ever question anything he says. Don't ever go back and confirm that what he says is in the word of God. And so it was out of balance, right? Um, but still, um, I still longed, to, longed for him to teach and, and to minister, amen? Uh, and, um, uh, and so uh, I don't see that as much anymore. You know, uh, I, I think part of it was uh, when I was born again, I, I got born again about at the, at the uh, apex of the teaching movement, the word movement, right? Uh, the word of faith movement, uh, because there was such a need for that. You know, before that, it was pretty much Pentecostal uh, churches only. And the Pentecostal churches, you know, I consider us Pentecostal churches, but the Pentecostal churches, for the most part, had just preached everybody almost to death, right? It's <laughs> almost literally, right? Uh, you bunch of sinners and heathens, you know, you better straighten up and God's going to get you, right? Wearing all that makeup and, and uh, jewelry, what's wrong with you, you know? And, and just mad all the time, right? And didn't, didn't cause anybody to grow up at all. Uh, and then, you know, then the Lord had the, the, it was called the charismatic renewal that started in the 60s and, and kind of was accelerating in the 70s. And, you know, Dr. Dufresne, he started a church in Colorado and, um, uh, in the early 70s. And he said he had a thousand people just like that overnight because he was, he was involved in the teaching ministry. He was a prophet of God. Uh, and I think at the end of his life, he had slipped over into the apostolic ministry. 
but uh, he said it was the easiest thing in the world to get a thousand because because people were so hungry for the word, so hungry for for the instruction of the word about how to, how do we live this life of faith, how do we get by in life, how do we overcome sickness and disease, and how do we prosper? And there was no teaching like that in the Pentecostal churches. It was how long is your hair and how long is your skirt, right? One should be, uh, well, they both should be long. I was going to say one should be long, one should be short, but not in the Pentecostal. They should, everything should be long, right? Long hair, long skirts, everything, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, uh, that really progressed, you know, through uh, the 80s. And, and, the, and as, it, as it went through the 70s is when Brother Hagin started Rama And Rama exploded, you know, they had you know, hundreds of students in the first year or two and thousands of students that soon after that and, uh, and was continuing to grow really for many, many years. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's when tapes were available, cassette tapes, right? Uh, anybody remember the days we'd go to a meeting and you'd have your little Radio Shack cassette player there and you had a little microphone and you'd put the little microphone on the, on the, the, the cassette player and you'd, let, and you'd record because you didn't, wanna, you didn't have the money to, to pay for the tapes so you'd make your own tapes, which are always terrible quality, right? Because you could hear the, the cassette recorder in the background going, rah, rah, rah. Uh, and, and uh, anybody remember those days? You know, that was the days that, that it was just, you know, whatever it took, right? I mean, you go to camp meeting and, and be three services a day, which was exhausting, right? Three services a day in a giant Coliseum, and, you had every, and it was a 30, 45-minute drive from the Coliseum back to the, uh, back to the hotel, and you do that three times a day, right? And, and some of these ministers, they're long-winded, right? And they're trying to give it all out in one service. And, and so you just you'd meet yourself coming and going. And, uh, and, you know, you just don't see that anymore. You don't see these, these, uh, these big meetings like that anymore, right? Not, not in the area of uh, what I call faith, uh, faith meetings, right? They're, they're, I know uh, towards the end, uh, and this will always happen, um, some of these little groups will get together and they'll explode overnight, right? And it's like, well, where'd they come from? And they have tens of thousands of people. I went to one meeting that they had, uh, I just, because I was, I was curious about it, uh, down in Georgia at the Georgia Coliseum, 60,000 people. And they fed you lunch. So, they, so I mean, it, it was a machine. They, I mean, you can imagine feeding 60,000 people. You had to go outside. You couldn't eat inside the stadium. So they get 60,000 people out of the stadium get them all a box lunch, eat, and get them all back into the stadium, right, for these meetings. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, but the, it was just air. I mean, there was, no, there was no good teaching at all, right? It was just fellowship, and, uh, which is fine, but it, was, it, 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 uh, it, it fell by the wayside because it wasn't, it wasn't really geared towards ministry, right? It was just geared towards just fellowship. And so, um, but all of that to say, you know, that, that the longing of the teaching gift uh, is still here, right, uh, with the Philippians and Paul imparting into their life, amen? Uh, and uh, what's happened today is because of the access to information, which we, we thank, we're thankful for that, right? We, uh, we're thankful for uh, the, the stuff that's on the Internet and stuff that's available digitally. Uh, and, you know, I, and I use all that stuff, right? Um, but a lot of times the, the church thinks that they already know, right? And they don't need they don't need the ministry gifts, uh, and that's really a, a big problem that the churches have today is struggling to get people to come back to church. They're they're sitting at home, people sitting at home not coming to church, uh, and they think, well, you know, I just flip on the TV and there it is, right? And we wave at all our Facebook friends, you know, hello, you all need to be in church somewhere, right? Uh, I'm glad you're here, but you know, uh, if you can make it, go to a physical church, right? Uh, thankful that you're here, 
Uh, and um, uh, but when we do this, you know, for for multiple reasons, because sometimes people can't make it to church, and that's and and it's better to see that on TV than to not see it at all, right? But that's not a substitute a substitution for church, right? And there's a big argument in, in the body of Christ. Well, you know, we are all the church. We are. We are all the church, right? But the head of the church built physical churches, right? And well, they're all home churches. The church at Antioch wasn't a home church. The church at Jerusalem wasn't a home church. Probably the church, you know, at uh, some of these other churches here, uh, my guess is, is they weren't home churches because they were too big for home churches. You know, and, and we thank God for home churches, but, but a home church was still led by a minister, right? So it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't just, um, uh, wasn't just a, a home churches for all the churches, right? Uh, and so, you know, you've got to, um, uh, you've got to find the balance there, right? So there's a big argument about all that stuff about, you know, the churches and um, should you go to church, should you not go to church? Uh, and, and it should be really easy because who, uh, who created the church, right? Well, the Lord Jesus did, right? And, uh, and of course, you know, we're not going to rehash all of this, you know, uh, but I think, I think it is helpful because I believe the church needs to long for the teaching of the word, right? Uh, and we should long for the teaching of the word from the ministry gifts, not just, well, I can just pick up an article, or I can watch something on TV, but the, 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 the natural, the physical presence of the ministry gifts, that's what we should long for, right, where we're here in a church. Uh, and like I said, there, there's a lot of argument about that, about, you know, well, we can just have a home church. But if Jesus established, first of all, the ministry gifts, and uh, we have plenty of examples uh, in the New Testament about people gathering together in large numbers. And we have scripture that says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And even the word church, you know, has the connotation of it's a gathering together of people, right? A calling together. Uh, And it's more than that. In fact, uh, you should read, if you haven't read it, uh, read uh, Pastor Anderson's book back there uh, about the local, a strong local church. And he goes into great detail about that, about how it implies it's a physical location separate from your house uh the house was just you know if it was a home church it was that was it was that way because of the convenience of having somewhere to go right but it was still a church it was a structured organized church and there was ministers involved Uh, and that's really uh where the attack of the church has has uh, really been focused on in the last probably well really probably since brother hagan in the past so nearly 20 years now to diminish the value of the ministry gifts, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? Uh, so that we don't need that. We're all that. But you remember the story when we read about Korah, right? Back in the Old Testament, where Korah was one of the princes of Egypt. And, and he came to and he came to Moses and said, you, you know, you put too much on yourself. You think you're all that, right? And uh, was that true? Did Moses take, take it all upon himself? Did Moses, uh, uh, was he vying for that position of being head of Israel? Was he politicking to be the head of Israel? He never wanted it, right? And yet they said that you took too much, you know, you did us on your own. And uh, he didn't ask for that job. He didn't want the job. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, but they, they said, we, we are all uh, ministers, right? Uh, and remember, Miriam and Aaron said, you know, God speaks to us too. You know, a lot of times people are always attacking the ministry gifts 
And, and what they don't realize is it's not even because the ministry gifts have done anything wrong. Uh, now, no doubt they have in the past, right? But Moses was a great example. Had Moses actually ever done anything wrong? He never did anything wrong with them, right? In fact, he saved their lives countless times. But, uh, but, they, but they were accusing him of all manner of evil. Uh, and, and they were trying to elevate themselves to that role that, well, God speaks to me too. And the, the problem with that, with that whole mindset is, uh, even in the New Testament, that, yes, God does live in all of us. That, that's a true statement. If you're born again, he does live in all of us. But if, if he set apart, remember what he said to, to Paul and Barnabas in, in um, Acts chapter 13, he, he said, uh, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas the work for until I have called them. So there's a separation, right? In other words, there's God has made a distinction between the ministry gifts and the rest of the church. He didn't say the ministry gifts are better than the rest of the church. He didn't say that they know even know more than the rest of the church. He just said they're separate from the rest of the church. Just like, you know, the ministry gifts today are, are the fulfillment of the type in the shadow of the uh, tribe of Levi in the Old Testament. So remember the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So there's 12 tribes of Israel. Levi was one of the tribes. And when they came over to the promised land, the Lord said, don't uh, give an inheritance to the tribe of Levi. So everybody else got a portion of land, right? Everybody else got a portion of the promised land except for Levi. And, and Levi were the Levitical priests, right? The, the, the whole book of Leviticus is talking about the Levitical priesthood and, and the rules around that uh, priesthood. And so, so it, it's just that the, the ministry gifts are called out, right? Uh, and in that, uh, then, and we know, uh, in fact, uh, we're, we're in John chapter 16, go over to, uh, uh, go over to Ephesians chapter 3 here. We're on this path here for just a minute, so we'll, we'll just stay on this path here for just a minute, right? Um, uh, and so he says in Ephesians chapter 3, it says in verse 5, uh, which in other ages was not made known unto the... Well, let's, uh, let's start back in, in... Let's just start in verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me to, to, uh, given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. So the Lord gave Paul a revelation. Of the mystery, right? Uh, as I wrote afore to in a few words. Uh, and so, who, who did Paul give the revelation to? I mean, who did Jesus give the re revelation to? He gave it to Paul, right? So, who did Jesus not give the revelation to? The Ephesians, right? He gave the re revelation to Paul. Well, why didn't he just... We're all Christians. Why could, couldn't Jesus just give that revelation to everybody? Because he didn't give it to everybody. He gave it to Paul, right? Uh, well, well, that's wrong. Well, you'll have to take that up with the head of the church, right? Uh, and so he says, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So now Paul is going, going to disseminate that knowledge of that revelation to the church, right? So you read the, you read the letters. When, uh, when you read, you may understand my knowledge, right? That's what Paul is saying. When we read, we understand the knowledge that Paul has. Uh, well, why couldn't you just give that to me directly, Lord? Well, again, that's just the way it's set up, right? And so as humble servants to the Lord, then we should be okay with that. 
And so why did God choose to do it that way? Well, you know, I don't know. We all have the Spirit of God, right? But I think part of it is that uh, when you separate yourself, that you separate yourself unto the call of God and, you know, you have more time, right? You know, uh, with the Levites, they're not concerned with planting and sowing and reaping and all of those things and caring for the land. They're dedicated full-time to the call of God. And that's really, for the minister, they're dedicated full-time to the call of God. And even if some of the ministers who work, Paul worked, right? But his whole life was focused on the ministry, right? And even, you know, even in my life, I know, you know, I have worked in the past and, and do still do some work, but I probably still spend way more time studying and praying in the Word, in the word than average Christian does, right? I would hope I do, right? Uh, and so... Uh, and that's because of the call of God. And, you know, and I'm, I'm believing God that that gets to be more and more as time goes on. Uh, and so uh, and so the Lord delivers that to certain people. And it says here, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. So specifically, the apostles of God were New Testament only. So some people would say, well, it's, it's talking about Old Testament prophets. No, he's, he's specifically talking about New Testament ministers, right, uh, in this particular case. So there are certain things that are revealed to the ministry gifts that's just not going to be revealed any other, to any other person. Now, and and that's, is that what the Word says? That's what the Word says, right? Uh, so we didn't write this. In fact, he, he says similar thing in verse 20 of chapter 2, that these things are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So Jesus is the cornerstone, right? Uh, and back when they built big buildings, they'd make a cornerstone. Everything kind of would be built off from that. Uh, and uh, so that's the key. That's the, that's the starting point. But then the foundation was built against that uh, uh, cornerstone. Uh, and that foundation is the foundation of Revelation. And, that the, and, and what Paul's saying here is that the foundation of Revelation comes through the ministry gifts. So uh, the, the whole point, that's a, that's a really long discussion to, to kind of get back to where we were. Let's go back over to the book of Philippians there. Um, back over to, to Philippians where Paul said that, uh, uh, that nevertheless in verse 24, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So, so Paul is saying here that they longed for that ministry gift. And my, my whole point of all of us fairly long discussion, probably longer maybe than it needed to be, was that we as the church should long for the ministry gifts. Uh, and, and, you know, even though I, I am a ministry gift in the sense that I'm a pastor, uh, you know, I still long for the teaching gift. You know, I still listen to Brother Hagen all the time, right? I'm, in, 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 my, in my heart, that's my training, right? I still listen to him. I know this listen to other, other folks, too. I listen to, you know, people, Brother, Brother Randy and other ministry gifts that are alive today. Uh, but still, you know, it's just, it's just hard for me not to uh, go back to Brother Hagin and listen to him because uh, he just, it's just solid, right? Just so good. Uh, and so, uh, and I still long for that. Uh, amen. I still desire to do that. I still listen to those messages uh, because I've got thousands of Brother Hagin messages and I've not listened to them all. So, um, Maybe when I get caught up and listen to them all, I, I might go on to something else, right? But I've got so many of them, you know, it, it's just one of those things that uh, um, it may take me a while to get all the way done, right? So, uh, so the desire of the people for, for Paul to speak to them was great. Uh, and, and Paul sensed that. He sensed that, you know, 
you desire for me to be here. You long for me to be here. You want me to teach you and to instruct you more. And I can sense that. I want to go home to be with the Lord. But, you know, he said, uh, uh, he said that um, um, you want me to be here, right? Uh, and so, so, uh, and so that's what we talked about there in, in John chapter 16 there. So he goes on in, in verse 25, says, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. So, so basically, after all this whole discussion uh, with, with the Philippians, and of course my discussion is much longer than the actual discussion was there in the Word, right? Uh, but in that, after that whole long discussion, Paul basically said, you know, I'm just sticking around. I'm going to stick around. And, and the, the way he says that is, I know uh, that, um, that I shall stick around. So that starts giving us a little bit of information here. Um, so let's turn over to Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and look at, uh, uh, look at what our friend Peter said here. So, of course, Peter's been in the ministry for a long time now, right? And um, um, he says here in um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, he says, Knowing that, that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. So, uh, so what's he saying there? He's, uh, what, what's his tabernacle that he's talking about? It's his physical body, right? He says, I know that I must shortly, so, so the time is at hand that I need to put off this physical body even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. So now Paul told the Philippians, I know that I'm going to stay with you. I could, I could go home to be with the Lord, but I know I'm going to stay. So it, it wasn't, well, you just never know. Well, I hope so. You know, well, let's just see what happens. You know, if the Lord will. Uh, all of those things that we say, we hear said many times. But Paul didn't say that. He said, I know, I'm going to stay with you all right now. And then Peter said here, um, I know that uh, shortly, so he knew his time was at hand, right? So, uh, and uh, a lot of times that's helpful, right? If the Lord said, hey, you're going home today. Like, well, Lord, you know, I need to give somebody all my passwords. I need to, you know, make sure the dog is fed. I mean, there's a lot of things I need to tie up before I get home, right? Can we move it out to maybe next week or so? Uh, and so, uh, so for, for Peter here, it was some short time right after this. And of course, history tells us that Peter was crucified, right? Uh, upside down. Uh, and so, uh, but the point of, point of this discussion is between Peter and Paul, they both said, I know when I'm going to die. And, and so let's turn over, let's go back to the book of John there and see what Jesus said in relation to that. So, uh, in John, uh, he says here, uh, let's start in uh, John chapter 10 and verse 16. He says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Uh, therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I, that I might take it again. So he's, he's specifically talking about, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to get resurrected. And of course, they didn't really know that, but we know that, you know, hindsight's easier to figure these things out, right? Uh, and so he says, uh, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. So what, what is the it that he lays down? His life, right? His physical life. Uh, he's going to lay it down. Uh, and so uh, he said, I have power 
to lay it down and I have power to take it again. And that word power there is the Greek word for authority, right? I have authority to lay it down and I have authority, authority to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. So now we've got the witness that, that Paul said, I know that I'm staying. I, uh, I could go, but I know that I'm staying. Peter said, I know that I'm leaving uh, shortly, right? Not, not necessarily exactly today, but pretty soon. I know that I'm leaving and I know that. And who, who told them that? He said the Lord Jesus himself told them that, right? Uh, and, and, then, and then Jesus himself said here, uh, no man takes it from me. So a lot of times people, well, the Romans killed Jesus. The Jews killed Jesus. No, Jesus uh, gave up the ghost on his own. Amen. He remember uh, when they tried to defend him in the garden. He says, you know, I could just call angels from heaven to come protect me. I don't need you all to swing swords here. Uh, and and so uh, he chose to allow himself to be captured that day in the Garden of Gethsemane. He he chose to allow himself to go through the mockery of the trial for, uh, you know, the, that whole night there. He allowed himself to be beaten. He allowed himself to go be hung upon the cross. He allowed himself to be nailed there. He allowed himself uh, the whole thing. And remember, at the end of it, he says, it's finished. Uh, and it says, and he gave up the ghost uh, and he died, right? So, so he chose the exact time and the exact moment when he was going to die. Amen. Well, you know, in all of that, uh, I think that should encourage us that uh, we've got three witnesses here all in the New Testament. Where, and so these weren't just people we know, right? I mean, I've heard stories of, you know, uh, Blessed Summerall and other people uh, singing to the Lord and then saying, I'm, it's time for me to go, and then, and then they go. Uh, I've heard many stories like that where great men and women of God uh, knew that their time was up. And that's great, but unless we have Scripture for it, you know, it's hard to have faith. But uh, we've got three witnesses here where three different people said, I know my path, I know my future, I know exactly when I'm going to pass, when I'm going to leave this earth. In fact, later on, Paul said, I've run my race, I've finished my course. Uh, but right now, he hadn't finished his course, right? Uh, right now, he still has more work to do with, with the Philippians. So all of that, you know, of course, when we go back to all the way, and, and I think it'd be, I know we, we uh, quote it all the time, but I think it'd be good just to read Psalm 91, the end of, the, end of that chapter again. This verse here, so you know where it's at, right? Um, and, and so Psalm 91, uh, verse 16 says, With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So uh, the, the implication here is, uh, With long life I will satisfy him. So who decides whether you're satisfied or not? Well, well, we do, right? Does God decide it for you? No, I will satisfy him, right? Um, so you're the one who decides whether you're satisfied with the length of your life or not. It's not God's decision. It's not your neighbor's decision. It's not the health of your physical body's decision or the, the soundness of your mind's decision. It should be your decision, right? Uh, that you choose when you are satisfied. And we understand there are constraints in that, right? That this is not a forever option that you can do well i'm just never going to die well that uh, we have other scripture that constrains that right like genesis chapter 6 said there's a constraint of 120 years so you so you really don't have any faith because the faith says uh, you can have faith up to 120 years and after that then you don't have any more faith you don't have any more word to stand on right so if the bible says you can live forever if he hadn't put the the limitation 
in Genesis chapter 6, then we could live as long as Adam left, lived, right? Methuselah, you know, actually, the, uh, I think it was Jared was the second longest lived man. Uh, and, um, and then Adam was, I think, the third longest lived man. And Methuselah was, was the longest lived of, of them all. Uh, and so uh, we could, if there wasn't a constraint there, we could, I mean, there was no constraint at all, right? Before that, we could all, well, Lord, I'm just going to live forever, right? Uh, you know, you'd have to have some real faith to do that because you're, you're swimming upstream. You're swimming upstream of all the sin in the earth, right? Swimming upstream of all the disease in the earth, swimming upstream of all your own shortcomings. I mean, that's, you could do it, right? But it'd be a, it'd be a, tough, uh, it'd be a tough, uh, tough trail to live on, right, for all those years. Uh, but you could do it. Uh, but uh, we can't do that because we have a constraint, right? So now... The Lord, in fact, I think it'd be good just for you to read that so you can know where that's at in Genesis chapter 6. And, you know, just because Genesis chapter 6 is there doesn't mean everybody's going to easily get to that, to that maximum value right there, right? But it's still there, so. Uh, and he says here uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 6 in verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Uh, and so the Lord put a limit on mankind at this point in time, right? Now, this is early on. There are pe- uh, plenty of people who still live uh, way longer than this, right? Uh, and if you kind of look at it from the, the, the length of days people lived in the Old Testament, uh, it was pretty consistent, you know, the fairly long life, right? 800, 900 years until, Noah, until Noah's time, and after Noah's time, then it started all falling off real, real quickly, right? Every generation would live shorter time than the other. Uh, Abraham, I think, lived 187 years. Uh, you know, that was kind of the longest times, right? Um, um, but then when you finally get to Moses, right, about 400 years after Abraham, now people are starting to die, you know, 80s, 90s, 100-year-old. Uh, Moses was 120 years old, right? Uh, I think Joshua was 110 years old when he died. Uh, and, um, uh, and I'll have to look it up. I don't know anybody that lived longer than 120 years after Moses. Uh, and, and that goes back to this verse right here. So Moses uh, was a good example. Moses lived to the fullness of his time, right? To the fullness of the promise of God by faith. Uh, and, you know, can, can we live that long? Well, you know, how strong is your faith, right? Uh, and so it, it's really... Uh, and it's not just faith alone, because it's your faith alone plus uh, the lifestyle that you live, right? In the sense, your, your spiritual lifestyle. I'm not talking about, you know, are you exercising every day and that sort of thing. I'm talking about, uh, are you walking close with, with the Lord, right? Or are you sinning today and, sin, and uh, repenting tomorrow, sinning today? You know, so that's between you and the Lord, I know. But um, so uh, all, all of that, you know, it's a pretty long discussion in that. But the, the whole point of, of me Discussing that is, uh, if we're going to live by faith, then we should, we should live by choice, right? Our lives should be a, a life of choice and not where uh, it's a life of being a victim. Uh, and most of the church lives a life as being a victim of sickness and disease and poverty and lack, and, and they end up leaving this earth not because it's their choice, but because they've run out of steam and they, just, you know, they can't take it anymore, right? And, and, and so they go... They go home to be with the Lord for whatever reason. Most of the church ends this life uh, on the earth under the cloud of sickness and disease. Amen. 
And look, even if you uh, are like Moses and you just say, you just check out and just, uh, you know, the Lord should go up to the mountain, you're going to die. And so he went up the mountain and he saw the promised land and then he died, right? Uh, it, didn't, it didn't say that he died of sickness, but I'm sure the coroners would say, well, he died of heart failure or liver disease or, you know, something. They would, they would put something down on the paper, even if they didn't know what it was, right? Uh, of course, nowadays, they, a lot of times they just say natural causes, right? So, uh, so I think we've got three witnesses, right? So now we can go back to the book of Philippians there. We've really got three witnesses that talk about um, their choice in dying. And so, you know, my faith, my heart is, well, then, Lord, I want a choice. Uh, you know, I want to have a choice. I want to be able to choose when I die. I want to choose the time and the circumstances of my death. You know, I want to, uh, you know, remember he even told Hezekiah, get your house in order for you're going to die, right? But, of course, Hezekiah was able, to, wasn't he able to extend his life, right? So he was able to extend his life. Uh, and so even if the Lord showed you that you're going to die, if it's before the, the Psalm 91 promise or even perhaps the Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 promise, you know, it may be negotiable. Now, the Lord may say, well, you know, you don't have enough faith to get past that time, right? So you need to, need to get prepared and, and end now, right? And so a lot of times, because remember what Peter said, even as the Lord showed me, right? So the Lord showed him. Uh, so we are in this together, amen? We're in this together with the Lord. So you know, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't, uh, uh, don't set your sights to be like the world. Well, you just never know. Uh, well, you know, uh, we're, not, we're never promised tomorrow. You ever heard that one? Never promised tomorrow. Well, if you, if you were promised a satisfying long life, isn't that being promised tomorrow? I think that's being promised tomorrow, right? If I say you're going to live, you know, a long time and you're 30 years old, well, then that would tell you that you're going to be here tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and the day after that, right? Uh, and so uh, uh, there's a lot of things that are said in the church that are completely unbiblical. In fact, they're, they're you know, they are negative uh, against your faith, right? So, um, so uh, I, just, I just like that little discussion there that Paul said, I'm, I'm, in, this, I'm in this straight, I'm in this between a rock and a hard place, I've got to make a decision. He said, and he makes a decision in verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I should abide, abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. And he says that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Uh, and so... Uh, he knows it's going to be uh, to their advantage and they're going to have great rejoicing uh, when Paul comes. Uh, and, and, you know, um, I, would, I would just like to see, and this is no complaint about, you know, this church, you all do a great job, so I'm not talking about this church and you people, but I would just like to see the church as a whole desire to hear the ministers again, right? Desire to hear uh, traveling ministers and apostles and evangelists and teachers uh, and, and it's amazing to me how, how many times people think that they're something and they're not, right? Think that they're a ministry gift and they're, and they're not. And, and that, doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that we're special again or anything like that, but it just um, uh, it, it hurts the church when we don't long to operate the church the way the Lord Jesus himself chose to set it up, right? So Jesus had the structure. He set up these, these ministry gifts. He set up the physical locations of the churches. It was all his doing. He wanted to do it that way. He wanted to provide uh, men and women uh, places where they can go to be taught. 
uh, and to learn, amen, and to grow and to increase in their lives. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and that's God's best, right? Uh, and so whenever the church doesn't follow God's best, then all we can get is God's second best, right? And, and that's, uh, if you look at the church as a whole, you know, we're not really super strong spiritually. Um, you know, we're super religious sometimes, but we're not super strong spiritually sometimes, amen? And I, and I think we can get there. So um, let, let's look at, um, uh, we won't get too far here in verse 27, but he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit and of one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Uh, and so uh, where he says, let your conversation, uh, that word conversation there means your citizenship. Uh, let your citizenship be as it becometh uh, the gospel of Christ. Uh, and so uh, he, he's telling that, uh, so this particular word here, citizenship, conversation, so it's more, you know, a lot of times the word conversation means manner of life, and that, that's part of it. Uh, but this is a little bit more uh, organized and a little bit more uh, specific here uh, when it talks about your citizenship. So we all know what citizenship is, right? So as, as, a, as a citizen of this country, I have a citizenship. Uh, and so uh, in that, there are responsibilities, right? I should vote. I should pay taxes. I should pay more taxes. I should pay more taxes, right? I mean, that's part of the citizenship, right? Uh, in fact, I paid a bunch of property taxes this week. Uh, and, the, and the lady said, oh, I'm taking all your money, you know, something like that, you know. I said, well, it, you know, this, this is a, a uh, privilege of living in a free society. Uh, and so uh, they always think you're crazy when you say stuff like that, right? Uh, and so, uh, and some of y'all may think I'm crazy for saying that, right? <laughs> uh, if the Lord's going to bless me, then I can pay my taxes, right? And so then, so that's a privilege of being in a free society, right? Because it said, let your, let your citizenship be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So, I mean, I could use that exact verse right there for what I did yesterday. And so I won't ask you what you said when you paid your taxes, you know, <laughs> I can't believe you're taking all my money from me. Uh, but, um. Uh, but he said, uh, it should be, uh, the manner of life and your citizenship that you live in. So it's not just talking about your natural citizenship, but your citizenship as a member of heaven, right? So we are all, you know, we're just, we're just temporary citizens here, but we're permanent citizens in heaven, right? So in that, that means that we have responsibilities as a citizen, you know, it's not just sitting around collecting a paycheck. It's, it's I've got things to do, right? I've got to vote. I've got to mow my yard. I've got to do things, you know, whatever I've got to do. Uh, I've just got responsibilities. Uh, and so Paul is saying, uh, let it as it becometh a, gospel, uh, becometh a gospel of Christ, right? So just remember that you are a citizen of heaven. Uh, and whatever you do here is a reflection of the good standing of your citizenship uh, in, uh, in heaven, right? Uh, and... Um, in fact, let, let's turn over to, um, uh, yeah, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 1. Uh, Paul says that I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. So uh, that's where Paul said that it becometh, uh, uh, it's a similar connotation as saying here, 
walk worthy. In other words, what is the manner of life that you're walking in, right? What is the quality of, the, of, your, of your walk as a citizen of heaven here on the earth? Uh, and so Paul is telling the Ephesians, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. So the vocation there is your job, uh, but it's not talking about your natural job, right? I mean, you know, you can apply it to your natural job, but it's primarily talking about your spiritual job in heaven, right? What's your spiritual job? You know, it's whatever you're called to do, right? Whatever you're called to do on this earth. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, I beseech you, I beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation. So he's saying that a vocation is a high calling. It's a valuable, honorable calling, whatever you're called to do, right? Uh, he said, walk worthy of that. Uh, in other words, esteem it highly and consider it great value that you, that you have the privilege to do that in your life. Uh, and, uh, and I would encourage you, uh, whatever you do in the church, you know, if you have a job or a function that you do in the church, don't ever diminish it by saying, well, I just do this. You know, if you're doing anything in, in the ministry, and even if it's not like a permanent thing, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're always there when we need help, for example, you know, that's still doing something, right? Uh, and in smaller ministries like ours, there's not a whole lot of things to do. But I know many of you are involved in, in um, uh, the nursery and, and uh, when we eat, you know, there's things to do and, and we're getting ready to do a big project around here, right? So there's always, there's always stuff to do, right? Uh, and so, uh, but in that, uh, you should always count it a, a, uh, a vocation of heaven, something that is of great value. Uh, and, and I always considered it of great value anytime that I helped my pastor in whatever capacity I was helping him in, that it was an honor to help him. Amen. Uh, and even today, I consider it an honor to stand in this pulpit and speak and, and do things for the Lord, right? I consider it an honor uh, because I want to walk worthy of the vacation. So he's saying that the vacation is, is worthy to be treated in high esteem, right? Uh, and so we can go back and we'll finish up. Uh, there in Philippians chapter 1, uh, he said, Only let your conversation or your citizenship be as it becometh, or, or that it's worthy of the gospel of Christ, right? Uh, that it's comely uh, according to the gospel of Christ. Uh, so that's our measure, right? What we do is measured by our um, citizenship in heaven. Uh, and, and then he goes on, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, so whether he gets to see him or not, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit and one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so uh, we're not going to get to all of uh, verse 27 there because there's some things I want to talk about at the end of that. But he does talk about uh, being in one spirit and in one mind. Right. So so it's not just, uh, you know, spiritual. Right. So I think it'd be helpful to us talk a little bit about that and. Uh, we don't hear much about that in the charismatic world about your mind. You know, typically it's, it's just, you know, redheaded stepchild. We don't want to talk about it. But he does talk about unity, right, in both spirit and mind. Uh, and when a church can get in unity both in spirit and in mind, uh, there, there's really nothing that can hold that church back, right? Uh, because it's not just spirit, right? Uh, because uh, don't we all have an opinion? Everybody's got an opinion. Well, your opinion resides in your mind. Well, what if your opinion is different than the pastor's opinion? Uh, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing until it becomes a strife, right? Uh, until you thought, well, he's just wrong. Well, now we've crossed the line into, into getting into error, right? Uh, now, if it's... Because uh, I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about things in, the, in, the, in your mind, right? Spiritual things, 
I mean, we should be in unity, but, you know, there's still, on occasion, differences of opinion about uh, doctrine, right? Well, I just see it differently, you know. And, and in that, you know, I think we can, uh, we should have the ability to uh, disagree without being disagreeable. Amen. And, and we shouldn't be just fussing and fighting over every little thing in the world, right? I mean, I know people that, no matter what you say, you're just wrong, right? And, you know, uh, uh, I know when I did uh, jail ministries, the greatest Bible scholars I ever met were always in jail. And how they knew everything about the Bible. It's like, well, if you really knew everything about the Bible, how'd you end up in jail, right? Uh, and I'm not mad at anybody like that, but it was very often I met people who considered themselves great Bible scholars in jail, right? And no doubt there are people who, who after being in jail, will dedicate themselves to the study of the Word of God and, and praise God for that. That's not the kind of people I'm talking about, right? So, uh, so we'll pick up verse 27 uh, next week and, and uh, a couple of things I think would be helpful to us take a look at there. So let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Father, we thank You that we are citizens of heaven. Uh, and Father, that uh, as, uh, as we are citizens of heaven, Father, then uh, we are a reflection of You here upon this earth. And so, Father, everything we do should be with an eye towards heaven. Everything that we say, Father, should be with an eye towards heaven. And Father, we thank you that according to your word and the witnesses of your word, that as we live this, this natural life here upon this earth, that we get to choose, Father, our, our time to, to go home to be with you. And no doubt, Father, as we grow closer to you, our longing to be with you, Father, will get greater and greater. So, Father, we thank you that we can leave on our, uh, on our terms, Father, at our time in discussion with you and negotiation with you, Father, related to that and not have our lives taken from us by sickness and disease and tragedy and other means, Father, that it's our choice that we run, when we have run our race and finished our course, Father, then we can go. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and so... Um, I like that little discussion there about Paul and how he, he got to choose there. Amen. And um, it's just hard to get around that. Uh, but uh, I'm sure small wars are fought when people uh, say, well, you can't just, just, you can't just decide, right? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You mean like, like all these people we read in the Bible, right? <laughs> and what God promised us. Amen. So let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. And... Um, um, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna tell Chris I didn't get a chance to come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. I was talking to a fellow at Lowe's yesterday, and I, and I was just about to invite him to church, and then um, he got a phone call from his wife. So uh, I was unsuccessful. You know, he he yeah, I was trying there. So uh, and I want to uh, uh, print up some um, visitor cards just for Easter. You know, Easter is going to be in April, uh, and um, I think it's in April, right? It's in April. Uh, in, and um, they're, they're going to be, yeah, invita they're just invitation cards, right? Just same business cards as we got for the invitation back there, except specifically for Easter. And I thought that'd be a good, uh, good thing to hand out to people there. And then I also found out that uh, they are going to have a um, strawberry festival parade this year, uh, I think on May the 14th, a Saturday there. So um, I missed doing that. So um, let's we start praying now for the hottest day of the year, right, on May the 14th. Uh, and uh, if it's okay, I'd still like to give away some water and, and do th things like that. So, um, and uh, if you need any more uh, invitation cards, they're back on the back table there. 
and uh, and let me know. You know, I haven't really asked anybody, but let me know. You know, if you've invited some folks and and how that went, and and um, um, you know, it, it's uh, that's our part, and the Lord does His part to draw them here. Amen. And so so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, uh, you got to be persistent, right? Uh, I, I mean, you know, for me personally, I know when I was young and, and not going to church. I mean, if I didn't go to church, it was no big deal, right? But I had a very persistent friend who every week, you know, they call me and they come pick me up, yeah, and um, uh, and after a while, it stuck, right? Where that, where it, now I don't need anybody to come get me. I'll go myself, right? But sometimes it does take some effort, right? And and that's part of what the Lord said to make disciples. Of, of people the word disciple means discipline right the root of it means discipline so there is discipline that it takes to to go get up and go to church every sunday uh, of course you all have great discipline to come to church three times a week right some people that's well, that's so radical right uh, and uh, yeah it's not it's not radical at all it's just kind of normal right but some people it's insane right that what do you, you what do you do all the time i mean all that time at church you know what do you do all the time right uh and so uh so people just don't know right and so uh, hang in there, right? Uh, keep on doing uh, all, because all we can do is do our part. If we don't do our part, the Lord can't do his part, but if we do our part, the Lord can do his part. That's the way I see it, and so I encourage you to stay the course, right? Keep on doing it. Uh, try to invite at least one person to church each week, and, um, and we'll see the Lord's provision in that. Amen? So be blessed, and have a good week. We'll see you on Sunday.